Okay, well, we're doing a series uh, called The Attributes of God. And as if you were here in the beginning, uh, really the whole service, I believe, is just geared towards God is good. God is good. Amen? He is good. He is good. He is good. And over and over and over, you read in the Bible, he never changes, and he is always good. He's been good from the beginning. He was good in the Old Testament. He's good in the New Testament. He never changes. He is good. And here's one, a, fun, a fun way that I realized this this week. So Monday night, Monday night I went to bed, and I have like a charger for my cell phone right next to, the, right next to my bed, although I don't use it as an alarm clock. And you already know I don't use it for social media. But it's there in case of a call, a text, or whatever. I uh, probably should put it to bed somewhere else. But anyway, it's right next to my head. And so I plugged it in on Monday night, and I woke up Tuesday morning, and I looked at the phone, and it was dead. So I figured, oh, you know, I probably just didn't charge it right, or maybe the, you know, the cord came out of the outlet, and so I just need to charge. So I went downstairs, and I plugged it in. Nothing. So I'm like, you know what, I'm starting to get a little bit upset, right? I mean, what do you mean? I, I, what's wrong with my phone? i got to leave for work here soon. I need my phone. How many of us feel this way sometimes, yeah? It's like you start to panic a little bit. Maybe this is just me, but you start to feel like a little bit like, whoa, whoa like what's going to happen? What's going on on my phone? So I'm like, maybe there's lint, you know, in the little charging hole, right? So I'm Googling, searching on my computer all the ways that my phone the reasons why it might be char not charging. So I'm working on the phone, plug nothing. Like, well, this is like one of those mag chargers, too. So I go out into the car, has a mag charger, I place it on that, nothing. The phone is dead. And so I'm like, like, what is going on here? Like, I'm really upset. But guess what I learned, guys? That God is good. <laughs> God is good even when I don't have a phone. And it was like my whole day could get derailed because I don't have a phone, but you know what? I just honestly, I said, Lord, apparently you don't want me to have a phone today. And I went for the next, I think it was 36 hours. <sighs> 36 hours before a new phone was sent to me, and I was able to plug it in and reload my old phone. But here's the thing that I learned. I don't need my phone. All I need is God. The Holy Spirit, honest to goodness, told me and showed me things that I needed to know and people that I needed to get back to or call or text that were trying to get a hold of me when my phone wasn't working. I was like, this is fantastic. And so now that I have my phone, I am trying to put my phone to bed earlier than normal. I am trying to not have it when I walk into the house. How many parents, as you walk in the house, your kids want to see you, your phone is always a distraction. To me, it's always a distraction. i got to put it away, put it aside, put it to bed, give it a nap. Let's take even a nap for a couple hours. The world will not end if you're not checking your emails or your text messages and responding within five seconds. I'm proof. I'm proof. The world didn't end. 36 hours later, God is good. God is good. He is so good to us. So it's kind of a funny story, but I thought about it because, you know what? We get so tied up with the things of the world that we need this or we rely on this or this thing has to happen or I need this or if someone would just call me or if someone would just do this or I need this from my boss or from my spouse. But God is good, church. 
He has all that we need. Yes, people are here to support us and to help us and to love us. But at the end of the day, God is good and he is all that we need. So what is an attribute? What is an attribute? This is a quality or feature regarded as a characteristic or an inherent part of someone or something. And I really felt this was important for us as a church to go through because I want us to see everything that happens in our lives through the lens of who God is and what God is all about. And I want to walk through these characteristics and these attributes of God so that we can truly get a good feel or an understanding of what this looks like. Now, disclaimer, warning. Probably should have did this at the beginning of the series. We all, every single person sitting in here, will have a tendency to see God, specifically God the Father, through the lens of our upbringing and our earthly father. You may not like it. Most of us don't. Because guess what? Our earthly dad was not perfect. Our earthly dad was not completely righteous as Jesus was. Our earthly dad made mistakes. Our earthly dad was a flawed person. I, as a dad, as a father of children, am flawed. And so I want us to understand and reflect that many of these things that we hear about and when we see and when we think about God, we have a tendency to wrap God in with what we see as how our father was in our own life. And we see things in our life like if we were a child who was punished often, even unrighteously or even justly sometimes, we see God as a punishing God. And we get scared, or if we have a, if a, a real fear of who, of our, of our earthly father, when we were growing up, we begin to transpose that feeling to the heavenly father. And we begin to fear him not in a good way, but in a bad way. And all of us, every single person in here, had a father of some kind. Whether it was involved in your life or not in, involved in your life, genetics say, you had a dad. Okay, it's a science lesson, kids aren't listening, okay. All right, that's for, that's for the marriage class, or <laughs> that's for another class at another day. We don't have to go about those details, but you're here because you had a dad. But we have to begin to remove our perception of God and not have it attributed to who our earthly father was. And I think it's really important, and I want to spend some time on it this, for the next couple of weeks as we talk about the characteristics of God because he doesn't change, even though we have changed, even though earthly fathers and earthly dads change. God never changes, and he's always the same. So attribute one we did a couple weeks ago was God is infinite. He is self-existing without origin. That one is hard to wrap our heads around. We talked about that a little bit a couple weeks ago. And we also said attribute two, and the reason why these are the first two is because they're foundational. Attribute two is God is Immutable. Immutable meaning he never changes. So if he existed forever, he's always been here, he created us, and he never changes, these are the foundational bases of every other attribute that God has. We have to remember that he's always been here, 
and he never changes. Those are foundational ones. He's always here, and he's never changed. And so last week was Easter Sunday, and we did God is love. That's it. God is love. It's a very short, simple sentence, but that is who God is. He is love. That is an attribute, a characteristic of who he is. Well, this morning is attribute number four. As you already know, we've talked about this. God is what? Good. God is good. He is infinitely, unchangingly kind and full of goodwill. I encourage you to write that down. Take a picture of it if you want. Think about that just for a moment. God is good. Period. And we so often we attribute God to the circumstances in our life and why did that happen? Or why did that allow to happen? Or what's going on with this? Or this thing happened over here, and I don't understand this. And why is there persecution in the church over in Iran or Iraq? Or why is this going on? And why is this? And we, and we often mentally assent or mentally attribute that maybe God isn't good. Because why would that happen? Why would, we, why, why, why would a God who is good allow that to happen? I just don't understand. So I want to walk with us this morning through scriptures and show that how the Bible clearly states that God is good. And he's always good. He's unchangeably kind. And he's full of goodwill. And we can see things in our life and our circumstances. And we can worship him because he is good. This definition of good is morally right, righteous, or benefiting someone. Do you know that God is a benefit for us? Those blessings that we talked about, promises in the Bible, however many there are, thousands of them. It's because he is good. God's goodness exists within his immutability, his unchangeableness, that's a word, and his infinite nature so that he is unchangeably always good. God is good. All right, I was, see, I was tricking you guys. I was waiting to call it out to see if you'd respond to it. I'm going to do it a couple times throughout the message. I'm not going to do it every week because, you know, sometimes people are like, why is this guy making me say something back to him? What kind of weird thing is happening here? I'm just trying to get it into your heart and into your spirit so that you can understand that throughout the week and the month when you just see something and understand something, you can say, God is good. All the time. All the time. Yeah, come on. All right, we're getting it. Okay. So let's look at some scriptures here because I think it's important for us to understand what does the word say about God and his goodness. Psalm 34, I'm going to look at verse 8, and I'm going to look at 19 and 22. I'm going to jump around a little bit. This is a psalm of David. And this is a psalm of David written by David in some perilous times in his life. How many know the story of David? How many know that he went through some challenges, some troubles, some tribulations? You know, I don't know, like, you know, the king of the land trying to kill you, right? Come after you, throwing spears at you. Uh, you know, just all kinds of stuff that most of us, I mean, I know sometimes we feel like we're persecuted, but when was the last time someone had a spear thrown at them by the king of the land? Okay, nobody. Okay, so this is, this is David. And this is what he writes when all of this stuff is going on in his life. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is what he is writing. 
when all chaos is going on around him. You see, David understood and understands that just because there is chaos in this world, just because there are situations and circumstances that we can't make sense of totally, it doesn't mean that God isn't good anymore. He is good. Period. End of statement. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the man who trusts in him. Come on, church. You will be blessed when you trust in God even when your situation says you shouldn't. Come on. The world will be like, man, you love this God. Look at what's going on in your life. Uh-uh. God is good is your response. And you can say, I will trust in him because I know he works together all things for the good of those who love him. All things, no matter the situation. He worked for good with my phone dying. 36 hours. He worked it out. He is good. And now I got even a better phone. Come on, church. I got a better phone. I got a bigger phone. The battery's better. The camera's better. Everything works better. The screen is better. He turned it all around for good. Because what? Because he is good. He is good. So verse 19 You can see where David's writing from. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. This is what he's going through. And he's opening with, God is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He is trusting God in his situation. Because the basis that David has is that God is good. That's the basis that he's working from. It's the basis of what his filter is and what he's seeing Everything come through in his life. Verse 22 says, The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust him shall be condemned. Come on. Could we just park there? We could park there. We could go home. That's it. We can go home. That's it. We're good. This is how good God is to us. But it doesn't stop there. John 16, 33. Many of you know this verse. These things I have spoken to you that in me... You may have peace. Why? Because he's good. You can have peace in him, even though in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He is so good that he has overcome the world on our behalf. That's what he did. That's what happened thousands of years ago. That's the whole point of the gospel message. He is good and he is loving. He is unchangeable. He is infinite. And we are part of his family. We are part of his family. You know, oftentimes I get questions about the Old Testament, and I even have them myself, like, well, did you, what about that God in the Old Testament? If he hasn't changed, like, ooh. You understand that God was good then as well. And the reason you can see that and go through that filter is you have to say, he made a covenant with Israel. He was always on Israel's side. He was always for that country. And anything that stood up against that country, <laughs> guess what happened? Not good things. But it was, that was his family. But now because of Jesus, now because of the new covenant, now that we are all grafted in to that family of God, we too, God is good for us all the time. He is always on our side. He is always with us. And when we be in the, you can read through the Old Testament with this new filter of understanding that God is good and you see the goodness that he was working and doing. Yes, there are consequences to sin. And there is evil in this world. And guess what? That stuff happens. 
But that doesn't change the fact that God is good. Doesn't change the fact that God heals. And I know we get upset. We say, well, why why did I lose a loved one earlier than I should have? I don't understand why that happened. Well, it's not because God isn't good. It's because there is sin in the world, there is sickness in the world, and we live in a fallen world. And do you know what? All those who had died in Christ are with him. And they are completely whole. They are completely healed. And they didn't see their supernatural, miraculous healing on this earth, but they saw it in heaven. And if we are an eternal being that never actually dies, then we, those who have died, who didn't get healed immediately on this earth, are now completely healed. Why? Because God is good. And if we can have that filter on everything we see and do, it changes our life. It changes your life. My week, because of studying this, has been radically changed. I have wept more this week because I am so grateful and so thankful for God's goodness in my life. It has changed my life this week. I walk around and I see things in a completely different light. I look at my beautiful wife and I am just so, not that I'm not thankful before, but I just am more thankful because I'm focusing because he is good. He has given me this beautiful wife. He has given me this beautiful family. He has given me this beautiful church. He has given me all these things and everything I see and reflect in my life, it's a good and perfect gift from him. Nothing I did. Wasn't my works. Wasn't because I, well, I prayed a little more, so, you know, I got the good wife. What? That's ridiculous. It's nothing I did. It's because God is good and he loves those who love him. He loves his family and he wants to do good with you and for you. James 1 says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from your earthly father. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights, the Father, the good Father, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought forth by the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Every good, every perfect gift, every blessing in your life did not come from you striving. You say, well, Pastor Jason, like I worked really hard and got that promotion. Yeah, because of God's goodness in your life. He has given you the motivation. He has given you the skill set. He has given you the intelligence. He has given you the work ethic. He has given you all of that. It's not of your own works. Lest you should boast. And you know what God does to the humble? He lifts you up. But you know what he does to the proud? He resists the proud. Oh, my goodness. How How many of you want to be resisted by God? Get a little prideful in your life. Whole other message. We're not going there this morning. Every good and perfect gift is from him. Romans 2, verse 4. Check this out. Or do you despise the riches? Do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering? Are you despising those? If you're not, it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. Church. It's the goodness of God. It's not the fiery God. It's not the wrath of God. It's not the fear of hell that leads people to repentance. 
If that's your message, that's how you're preaching the gospel out there, it's the fiery hell and brimstone, if that's your method of trying to get people saved, the Bible says it's the goodness of God. It's your testimony. It's your testimony. It's that God loves you, right? Steve Hetherington, as you're going out, you don't go say, hey, you know, you're going to go to hell. Everything's going to burn. You're going to have this horrible time for all of eternity. People are like, dude, get away from me. But Steve knows, and those who evangelize, Chuck, you know, you go out and you speak the truth. You speak that God loves you, God cares for you, and it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not the fear, the, the unhealthy fear of punishment that leads us to repentance. That just makes us scared to do anything wrong. <gasps> oh gosh, hope I don't do anything wrong today. I might get punished. There are consequences to your sin. But because God is good, it changes our heart to repent, to say, God, because of you're so good, I don't want to live this way anymore. Because you are just so good to me. And you have spared me, and you have spared me, and you have spared me the consequences of my sin. Can I get an amen to that one? We are sitting in here. If we actually had the consequence of every sin that we had, we probably none of us would be here. But he is good. And he is merciful. And he loves us. Matthew 6. Got a couple more scriptures. Therefore, do not be like them, for the Father knows the things you need before you even ask him. Because he's good. I don't know everything that my kids need before they ask me. I know some of them as an earthly father. I get a few here and there. I can pick, you know, I got an idea. In fact, here's a gross one that happened this morning. So a couple of my kids are not feeling well. And as, my, as the earthly dad of the kids, I'm like, you know, kind of watching over, taking a look. They were watching the Curious George this morning. And Maggie May, the little five-year-old, she wasn't feeling that well. She's one of the kids that weren't feeling that well. She says, Daddy, I have to go potty. And I remembered when Maggie lays down for a while and she doesn't feel well, the moment she gets up and walks around, she throws up. So I knew what she needed before she asked. I said, Maggie, you see that bucket right next to you called the pukey bucket in the Ackerman household? I said, Maggie, why don't you grab that before we head to the bathroom? Okay, Dad. Okay. You know. She grabs her bucket and she's walking about midway from the family room to the bathroom. Right into the bucket. Gross. I'm sorry. But what I'm saying is, as an earthly dad, as an earthly, I, I knew what she needed. But I don't know everything that she needs all the time. But our Heavenly Father knows everything you need before you even ask for it. He knows the things you need before you even know that you need them. Because He's got you, because He's good, because He loves you. Verse 30 in Matthew 6 then. So now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He's good. He's going to take care of you. We can trust in him. Matthew 7 says this, starting in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Why? Because he's good. Seek. And you will find. Why? Because he is good. Knock, and it will be open for you. Why? Because he is good. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. And it goes on to say, because you know what? If you ask for a fish, is God going to give you a stone? Nope. 
He knows what you need, and he cares for you, and he loves you. Sid, if you want to come up here. So what is our response to this? As we're reading through the New Testament and through Proverbs in our reading plan, I continue to look at Jesus' life. And I say, if Jesus only did and said what he saw his father do and say, then what pattern can I see in looking at Jesus' life and how he operated and how he ministered? And I was reading, we're reading through Matthew, and I went through. So right after the Sermon of the Mount, which is in Matthew's, uh, Matthew chapter 6 and 7, or part of 7, here's what happened in Jesus' ministry. Are you ready for this? He just got done preaching this and that and live like this and don't worry and do all these things. And now, because I can only do and say what my Father God does and say, let me show you what his heart is. Heals a man with leprosy. Heals a centurion servant. Heals Peter's mother-in-law. Calms the storm. Heals two demon-possessed men. Heals a paralytic. Raises a dead girl from the grave. Heals a woman with the issue of blood. Heals two blind men. And healed someone who was mute. That's just in the next two chapters. Why? Because God is good. And Jesus did what he saw his father do. And what his father did was good. Because every good and perfect gift comes from above. So what is our response, church? What is our response to God's goodness? Number one, we need to see the real author behind the circumstance. The real author behind the circumstance. If there is sickness, if there is fear, if there is pain, if there is evil, if there is destruction, if there is disaster... It is not authored by God. We have an enemy. And it's very simple. If it's not authored by God, then it's authored by somebody else. And it's not someone who is good. It's not someone who is for you. It's not someone who even likes you. Or even cares about you. Understand who the real author is of your situation. When there's blessing, when there's goodness, when there's favor, God is the author of that situation. When there is death and destruction and despair, if God is good and doesn't change, he cannot and is not the author of that situation in your life. And you need to see that and recognize that and take the believer's authority that we talked about for six months and stand up against the things that come against you and come against your life that are not authored by him. The second thing that we need to do, we need to just see each circumstance. I would just ask you even today to evaluate some circumstances in your life and know who the author is. The second one here is we have to repent for blaming God. Guys, I'm in this boat. I've been there. I've done that. Right, you get, you get angry with God. You get so mad. Why? Why is this circumstance not changing? Why did you do this? Why did this happen? God is good. God loves you. He did not author the pain and the sickness and the heartache in your life, so don't blame him for it. It's hard to do because you're like, well, who am I going to blame? Like, I got to blame myself? Well, if it's a consequence of sin, you got to say, Lord, forgive me. i got to walk through this. 
Sometimes it's just because we live in a fallen world, church. And there is death and there is destruction. There is sin and there's an enemy in the world that we live in. But it's not authored by God. We have to take a time to repent and say, Lord, I am sorry for attributing what's happened in my life to my earthly father. In situations and circumstances to my earthly father. And I repent, Lord, for blaming you. The next thing we have to do is we have to not worry and trust God. Not worry and trust God. If he is good, then we don't have to worry. If he is good and he'll clothe the lilies of the field, he takes care of stuff, will he not also then take care of you? If God is good, then we can trust him. And we no longer have to worry and be afraid and be scared of things happening in our lives or in our country or in our town or in our schools or in our workplaces. Worry and fear begin to go when we understand the goodness of God. And then we have to ask, seek, and knock. Just as the Bible told us. Ask, seek, and knock. Since he is good, he will answer me. He will show me. He will guide me. How much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? Many times we have not because we ask not. Because we think, well, I'm not sure if God is good. I'm not sure if he really wants to bless me in that way. So I'm not really sure I should ask for that. We have not because we ask not. Seek, knock. Find him. And he reveals his goodness to us. And then we need to treat others well. Whoa. Like, where did that come from? If you look at the verse that we were reading about asking, seeking, knocking, he goes on to say, Therefore, therefore, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. The golden rule, the great golden rule that we teach our kids. It's all of that. It's because of the goodness of God. He's asking us to operate this way. Because we treat others well even when we don't expect or shouldn't expect anybody to treat us back in return. We do it because that's how we want to be treated. And we are, we are able to show other people goodness. Why? Because he has been good to us. And so it's the way we treat others, showing the goodness of God through us, is what really gets people's attention. They begin to see that. This is our response, is to treat others well. And then the last thing we have to do, there's more than this, maybe I'll do it more next week, is to thank Him. Church, can we thank Him? Can we raise to our feet this morning? Come on, everybody stand up. We're going to sing a song this morning. We are going to thank God for his goodness. We are going to worship him because he is good. We're going to thank him because he is good and he is faithful and he is good. He is for us all the time. For all the good things. Can we focus on that this morning? That our filter begins to change. That God is good. Can we sing that this morning? Amen.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you today. We thank you for your goodness that never changes, that never fails. We thank you you're with us day in and day out. Father, we thank you for all good things in our lives because they are from you. We thank you for our friends. We thank you for our church. We thank you for our finances. We thank you for our relationships. We thank you for our jobs. We thank you for our grandkids. We thank you. We thank you. That every good and perfect gift is from you. And Lord, we will just worship you all week. Resonating that you are good, that you do good, and that you never change. And we thank you for it in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've got some uh, prayer group leaders that will be up here as the service ends. I just encourage you, if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that today is a day of salvation, and the people up here can pray for you. If you need prayer for anything in your life, maybe you just want to tell someone that you have been blaming God for stuff in your life, come up here and tell somebody, and they will pray with you, because guess what? Confessing our sins one to another leads to healing in our life. It leads to healing in our life. And God is good. He is good. He is good. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Let me just send you off with this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen. You are dismissed. We love you guys.